Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. On this week's show, we take a look at the race to become the president of FIFA. Will an African win the contest next February? We hear from South African contender Tokyo Sekwale. FIFA, the organization of the beautiful game, is damaged. The brand is severely undermined. What is broken in FIFA is not the pitch, it is the administration. Plus, we catch up with the latest in the English Premier League and we continue our look at the African players in this season's UEFA Champions League. And then Ahmed Musa plays for CSKA Moscow and he's been in the team against Manchester United, PSV and so on. Well, that's all coming up on the show. Now, the 10-man shortlist for the Confederation of African Football's 2015 Player of the Year award is out. And Ivory Coast midfielder Yaya Toure is in contention to win for a fifth consecutive year. At the moment, Toure is level with Cameroon's Samuel Eto'o. Both have won it four times, so Toure will make history if he wins it again. The other names on the shortlist are Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang of Borussia Dortmund and Gabon. He has 17 goals in 14 games this season and he's been runner-up to Toure in 2014 and in 2013. There is André Ayew of Ghana and Swansea, Ayman Abdunur of Tunisia and Valencia. There's one local base player, that's Karika from Sudan and Al-Hilal. There's Mohamed Salah of Egypt and Roma, Sadio Mane of Senegal and Southampton, Serge Aurier of Ivory Coast and Paris Saint-Germain, Sofiane Feguli of Algeria and Valencia, and Yassine Brahimi, also of Algeria. He plays for Porto. The winner will be announced in January. So what do you think, Solomon? Will Yaya Toure get a record fifth award? Or are maybe Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's credentials stronger this time? For Yaya Toure, his form for Manchester City has been up and down this year. But after helping the Ivory Coast win the 2015 Africa Cup of Nations, he could well be in line for a fit consecutive honour, Steve. Uh, he's not been playing... Uh, so well as we expected him, but lately he's been picking his form. Definitely, Obama Yang has been really great. He is likely uh, to be uh, Yaya Torre's greatest rival for the award. You know, having raked up a stunning 20 goals and five assists for Borussia Dortmund. And he is been a player that has been consistent. I, I feel uh, maybe this is his right time to be able to put his hands on the award. That would be completely entirely on his club form, not on his country form. When Gabon were playing in the Africa Cup of Nations, I expected... Uh, Obama Yang to do much more than he did but he didn't really show that form but at the same time his club form has really been consistent more consistent than any other African player I could think of Steve uh, playing in Europe uh, so for, for that I feel you know come January the 7th in Nigeria when the new Africa player of the year would be crowned I feel he has a great chance uh, of really uh, scooping that award uh, but Yaya Torre definitely has that edge because he led Ivory Coast to winning the Africa Cup of Nations. The final top 10 of the nominees, I feel these are players that really deserve to be in the top 10. Mohamed Salah has been playing so well 
He initially played so well for Florentina on loan from Chelsea and now playing for AS Roma, doing so well also. Sadio Mane, he's been doing so well. Serge Aurea did so well for Ivory Coast, winning the Africa Cup of Nations. So I can go on picking each player and and looking at how they performed. I think we have one of the strongest top 10 uh, final players for the Africa Player of the Year 2015 shortlist. So it could be a close contest between Yaya Toure and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for the 2015 African Footballer of the Year award. Well, now let's focus on the race to become president of FIFA, one of the most powerful positions in the world. Indeed, some would say that it's an even bigger position than being president of a country. In June, Sepp Blatter announced that he would step down amid a corruption scandal at FIFA. Elections will be held next February, and last week FIFA confirmed that there are seven candidates who've submitted papers successfully. Africa has Musa Billeti and Tokyo Sequale. There's UEFA president Michel Platini, currently suspended by FIFA on corruption allegations. There's Gianni Infantino, who entered the race very late, seemingly as Europe's backup for Platini. There's former FIFA Deputy General Secretary Jerome Champagne. And Asia has Prince Ali of Jordan and Sheikh Salman from Bahrain, who's the president of the Asian Confederation. There's never been a FIFA president from Africa. Indeed, the only African ever to run for the post up until now is the CAF president, Issa Hayatu, who lost in 2002. So let's take a look at the two African contenders. Tokyo Sequale from South Africa was jailed for 13 years on Robin Island, along with Nelson Mandela in the South African struggle against apartheid. He's a former government minister, a member of FIFA's anti-discrimination task force, and was on the organizing committee for the 2010 World Cup. Here's highlights of a long speech that he made at a news conference in Johannesburg in South Africa, explaining why he wants to be FIFA president. I was approached by various people within the world of football, in various confederations, from various associations, from business people, from people in government, and people who are in civil society. Can you consider putting yourself forward as a candidate for the position of president of FIFA? I decided, therefore, to apply my mind to weigh all options. It took over a month until I decided I think it is appropriate. Humility starts at home. It doesn't matter who you are, how powerful you may think you are, what positions you may have occupied. I decided to go to my home, and my home is this one, the South African Football Association. Because if I'm going to undertake this journey, which has got its own hazards, It implies that I must make sure that I have good wishes from behind. FIFA, the organization of the beautiful game, is damaged. The brand is severely undermined. What is broken in FIFA is not the pitch. It is the administration. Football plays every day. It doesn't require us out there in FIFA. It plays despite the scandals and all the corruption that we're hearing about. Football is there. Neymar will kick it. Ronaldo will kick it. We are going for the Ballon d'Or. Ronaldo and so on. Drogba. It continues, but it's hurt. It's hurting because right at the top, we have defaulted and the brand is damaged. So, how far did I go with football? I leave the days in the army underground at university where I used to play football. But I want to take you to a place called Robben Island. That's where they book more than just a game because people think football is just a game. It's more than just a game. 
our secretary of the Football Association and all other sports on Robben Island for more than a decade. You don't know about it. Many people would know, oh, he's a guerrilla fighter, he's a politician, was a premier, all these things. I ran football where there is no chance beyond the dusty bowels. That's president, that's playing football and administering football behind enemy lines. Under the stringent jackboot of apartheid, we had no balls. We had our feet, we had no shoes. It was real football. It was a league. It was official. We played every day. I was the secretary general. Sometimes he had no ball. If it was there, it's got no air. If it's got air, it's slightly flat. They refuse to give us a pump. They take away the, the referee's whistle. We have to shout. A referee shouts. I don't want to, to tell you what happens. And sometimes, without the ball, we take a stocking that is brought by water. So that's Tokyo Sekwale from South Africa talking there of incredibly powerful memories when he was a political prisoner on Robben Island in South Africa, along with Nelson Mandela. So, Solomon, his message is that FIFA needs transparency and to be well run. So how do you rate his chances of becoming a strong contender for the FIFA presidency? He was a provincial premier for, for the region of Gauteng, that's the part of South Africa, uh, and became a minister. And in between also, he went into business, and, and that entirely was successful, and he became uh, a millionaire running a business called Envela Panda, uh, which is a lot of it was a mining business. He's been involved with FIFA in trying to eradicate uh, racism in football and also bringing peace between Palestine and uh, Israel. So he's been uh, he's been around quite a lot. A lot of people would not be aware of that. Uh, and he's been friends with some of the top FIFA guys and, and all that. So he has a, the, the reputation, he has a pedigree of in the making of a FIFA uh, president he, because he's uh, politically he's connected. Uh, Business-wise, he knows how to run businesses. So he, he definitely uh, have a chance of really uh, getting to the final round. And, and, and then we see how it goes. Would he be able to get enough votes? Would he be able to get enough uh, countries to support him? Uh, because he is going to be against really formidable candidates, you know, that have been in FIFA and out of FIFA, been involved in football for quite a while now. But I believe he's very connected. And the South Africa Football Association is right behind him. The Southern Africa region of, uh, of football is also right behind him. Now, one of the things that he's mentioned that is going to be a part of his uh, campaign strategy is, well, how do you now repair the credibility that FIFA has lost? It's not football that has lost credibility, but is the leadership of FIFA that has lost credibility. So bringing in a leadership that would bring back credibility is one of his uh, campaign uh, points. And, and we, we hope to see, uh, hopefully, uh, that he's going to be able to, to really uh, stake that claim. And his rich history definitely is going to play for him. It's going to be a huge advantage for him. Uh, time he has spent in prison and, in, and his experiences, uh, I, I'm sure he has something that uh, not any of the candidates do have, that is being a political prisoner uh, and, and believing in a course and standing for the course. And that's what FIFA needs right now. I, I'm not sure that would be enough, but, but we hope to see how far you know Tokyo would go. But I know one thing about Tokyo Sequale is he is a very a rugged man. He's someone that you know, fights to the finish because that has been the story of his life, basically. Uh, so we, we hope to see how far he's going to go and, and hopefully uh, make Africa proud and, and, and making sure that Africa is well represented. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production, and we're talking about the contest to elect a new FIFA president. 
Elections will be held next February to find the successor to Sepp Blatter, and there are seven candidates in the race. We were talking there about Tokyo Sekwale from South Africa, and the other African candidate is Musa Billeti, the Liberia Football Association president. He was the first African to enter this race, only the second African ever. And like Tokyo Sekwale, Musa Billeti has a strong message on the need for transparency at FIFA. But he has clashed with the Confederation of African Football before, and I get the feeling that his chances are rather slim. Yes, Steve, his chances are definitely slim. Uh, you know, he's someone that has really taken a bold step. You know, the president of the Liberian Football Association, who believe is the time is right for Africa to to go out there to uh, you know to represent uh, FIFA. Uh, he believes Africa has the largest voting bloc in FIFA and, and must take the lead to bring football together. He's someone that has a clash with uh, CAF, like you said. You know, there's been a lot of misunderstandings uh, between uh, himself and, and CAF. In 2013, CAF handed Ability a six-month ban for what he described as a violating status relating to the use of confidential documents. So he is someone that, for me, uh, he brings that angle of not being afraid to speak your mind, not being afraid to uh, be vocal uh, on what you feel is the truth, not being afraid to disagree. And that is, uh, I think, what FIFA needs. Uh, It's good to to have him. Uh, He is bold, he is upright, he's upspoken and and very highly opinionated. But that does not guarantee that you would get the votes. And and you have to be popular amongst uh, not just African football, but global football. And and, uh, that is something that I feel he's lacking, a bit of inexperience. Uh, But he's definitely someone for the future. But it's good that he raised his hand and said, look, I want to be counted and, and be a part of it because we need that. So will Musa Billeti be rewarded for his outspoken nature? Or is he a bit of a long shot there? Well, now Stuart Weir joins us from the UK. Uh, Stuart, there is a long way to go in this uh, FIFA presidential race with elections more than three months away. So how do you think things might pan out? Because there is a lot of wheeling and dealing to be done, I'd imagine. I mean, one would like to think that the 200-plus nations, presidents who have the vote, will have learnt from the last few months and that we will actually have a fair and open and sensible campaign with the best leader being chosen. But, you know, there's an awful lot of political stuff at stake with candidates in a position to offer favours, I mean legal favours in terms of development funds and so on, that one doesn't really know. There are three European candidates standing. Now, it's not entirely clear whether one of the European candidates, Gianni Infantino, Uh, the General Secretary of UEFA, is simply standing in case Platini does not or whether he's actually going to take Platini on. But my assessment is that Platini is damaged. You know, he's currently suspended from UEFA because of this large payment that he received for work allegedly done, which somehow hasn't fully gone through the books of FIFA. Platini also is known to have supported Qatar and, you know, questions in a way in the background is why would he have done that? I mean, Platini is one of the greatest players ever in world football. He's an experienced administrator, but in my opinion, he is damaged and I think that he will not have the support of European voters and I can't see him winning that. 
Now, the Secretary-General of UEFA, Gianni Infantino, is an Italian-Swiss gentleman, and uh, he has been General Secretary of, of UEFA for the last five years. He's a lawyer by background. And, you know, he is a strong candidate. He has not been involved in FIFA before. So in a way, he's not tarnished by anything that's happened in the past. And so I see him as a strong candidate. But again, you know, I think one of the issues that we don't know as to whether Asians, South Americans, Africans, etc., will vote for a European. Then the third European candidate is Jerome Champagne. Now, he worked at FIFA for 11 years. And he argues that that is an advantage because he understands how FIFA works. He hasn't been there for the last five years, so therefore he is not implicated in any of the stuff that's happened recently. He's a man who's spent many years in football, and he's been a diplomat. So in a way, he's got a lot of good life experience. And I think that he is probably a reasonable candidate. My assessment is that... Probably Infantino is stronger. He's also younger at 45. But you know how 200 people will vote is a very difficult question to answer. And you know what will motivate the president of an African country in his choices? In one sense, he will undoubtedly be wanting the best for FIFA, but equally he's wanting the best for his own National Football Association. So I think this will be... A very fascinating campaign and very difficult to call. Well, thanks, Stuart. And you can tell us who you think will be the next FIFA president. Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who do you think will be the next FIFA president? Will it be an African? You can also post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And we have a brand new website. It's planetsportfootballafrica.com. It's designed specifically for smartphones. You can listen to each week's show there and find out more about us, uh, myself, Solomon, Stewart, and the rest of the team. And uh, there we talk about our best moments at the FIFA World Cup and answer the question when we think an African team will win the World Cup. The address planetsportfootballafrica.com. And you can follow us on Twitter. The address is at PlanetSportFA. Still to come, part two of our look at the Africans in the UEFA Champions League. But to Facebook and what's up now. And we start with the CAF Champions League. And last week, ahead of the first leg of the final, we asked which team you think would be crowned champions. TP Mazembe from DR Congo or their Algerian opponents, USM Alger. Well, we had a fantastic response, and after counting all the votes, your thoughts are clear. Just 14% thought that USM Algier would win, but an incredible 86% of you said the title would go to TP Mazembe. And after the first leg, the Congolese side are in a great position with a very impressive 2-1 win in Algeria. And the second leg is in Lubumbashi on Sunday. Cherno Jallo from The Gambia says, I'm optimistic that TP Mazembe will be crowned champions. Abdu Chelsea Demfinio says the dice is already thrown and cannot be turned. Mazembe will lift the trophy. 
Writing before last Saturday's first leg, Aliou Fai said, "I'll go for USM Algiers simply because of the home support, which I believe plays a huge role in African football." And Alassane Drame writes, "Both teams were the champions in their home leagues. USM have played their games with only one loss and a draw. They currently top their table with 22 points. So I'm going for USM Algiers." Alan Campbell in Sierra Leone predicted Mazembe will win the return leg and take the title on aggregate to become African champions. After Saturday's first leg, Mamadou Dijalo got in touch saying, "Bravo to the Congolese." A simple comment, and I know that many of you will be echoing his sentiments. And also on last week's show, we asked what's gone wrong at Chelsea after their poor start to the Premier League campaign. Last weekend's home defeat to Liverpool was their sixth loss of the season, already twice as many defeats as in the whole of last season. Well, on Monday, coach Jose Mourinho was handed a one-match stadium ban and a fine of sixty thousand dollars for misconduct following his comments to referee John Moss in the two-one loss at West Ham last month. Now he's facing legal action for victimization and discrimination from the former team doctor Eva Carnero after the female medic was apparently demoted following Mourinho's disagreement with her decision to treat Eden Hazard on the pitch in the opening game of the season. Well, on Facebook, Amadou Mane says all of these problems Chelsea are facing right now are because Jose Mourinho, from the very first day, disrespected his medical staff, and let him also stop calling the referees naive. Alagi Damfa in the Gambia says, "I believe the problem started when Jose criticised the first team doctor, but I strongly believe he can turn things around." Amulang Bojang also in the Gambia suggests four reasons for Chelsea's slump. He says the problem is Jose's relationship with the players. His reluctance to change tactics when the game isn't working for him, his fallout with the medical staff, and that certain key players seem to be unwilling to play for him. And Davy Chinkondo in Malawi simply says Mourinho can now term himself a specialist of failure. Less talk and more action. And finally, Albert Kadzombe, an Arsenal fan in Malawi, commented on last weekend's English Premier League fixtures, saying, "My wishes have been fulfilled, and I'm glad with the victory of my teams, Arsenal and Liverpool. Yes, Arsenal winning three nil at Swansea, and Liverpool getting that great three one win at Chelsea." Thanks so much for all of those comments. Do keep them coming on WhatsApp and on Facebook. WhatsApp number plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. The Facebook page Planet Sport Football Africa. Okay, let's talk more about the English Premier League now. And last weekend was very fruitful for African players, Stuart. I mean, I suppose the performance of the day was the. I don't know if he minds me calling him the veteran Ivorian Arona Kone who scored three goals for Everton as they beat Sunderland 6-2. Now, that leaves Sunderland very firmly in the bottom three. And, uh, you know, I think we'll be talking about some of the other teams who look to be in a bit of trouble. Man City only just beat Norwich with an 89th-minute penalty scored by Yaya Torre. And now our friend Odian Igalo scores two goals as Watford move up to ninth. I mean, Watford newly promoted... Clearly, a relegation prospect, and they're up in ninth place. And Igalo, you know, we wondered when he moved into the championship from a lower level, he'd, whether he'd be able to score, and he has. And now he's moved into the Premier League, and, he, and he's scoring goals. 
And then what about Leicester City in third place in the Champions League position and the Algerian Riyad Mahrez scoring two goals and that is seven goals in nine games that he scored. And of course yet again Leicester City coming from behind. For those of you who like your interesting statistics, Jimmy Vardy has now scored in eight consecutive games in the Premier League. And incidentally, when he had done it in seven, he was equal with Emmanuel Adebayor, who scored seven times for Arsenal in 2008. I bet you didn't know that, Steve. Well, those were the days when uh, Adebayor was uh, was quite a force to reckon with. <laughs> Having sacked Tim Sherwood, Aston Villa have now appointed Remy Gard. Now, a strange choice for me. He played 30 games for Arsenal in the 90s, but has been managing in France and perhaps not the most obvious person for a real dogfight, which is what Villa are facing, to avoid relegation. Now, last week we talked about Sadio Mane getting a red card for Southampton. Well, it's happened again. This time, Victor Wanyama, of course, the first Kenyan to play in the Premier League, got two yellow cards and therefore a red. So uh, the Africans at Southampton are having a few problems with referees at the moment. Um, Stuart, you started a look at the African players in the UEFA Champions League for us on last week's show, uh, with more than 60 Africans uh, having played in this season's tournament. Uh, Last week you took a look at the Ivorians and you promised to look at the Nigerians this week. Yes, well, there are 15 Nigerians who played in the Champions League. You know, five of those are in the competition proper, so to speak. And those are Brown Adeyi. You may remember him from playing at West Brom. Well, he's now at Olympiacos and he's played in the big games for them in the Champions League against Bayern Munich, against Arsenal and so on. John Obi Mikhail, of course, is a well-known Chelsea player, but struggling for first-team football at the moment, and he's had one game for Chelsea against Porto. Now, the Israel team, Maccabi Tel Aviv, have got Emmanuel Nusa, and they have played seven games already in the Champions League because they had to come through the qualifying, which they did. Now, the Nigerian with the best name ever, Moses Daddy Simon, plays for Ghent and Belgium, and he's been playing regularly against uh, Valencia and such teams. And then Ahmed Moussa plays for CSKA Moscow, and he's been in the team against Manchester United, PSV, and so on. So those are the ones who are playing in the last 32 of the competition, but there have been loads who have been involved earlier. I, I haven't time to mention all of them, but just to pick out two or three, Eugenio Nazi, who's of course a regular in the international team, playing at Lazio in Italy, but unfortunately they didn't get through their qualifying round. And probably one of the more interesting places for an African to be is in Albania. And Peter Owainka, playing for Skenderbu. Uh, He's 19, and this is his third season at Albania. And again, they didn't progress into the last 32. And another one in Greece is Abdul Ajugan, playing for Panathinaikos. And he's in his third season there. And again, they lost out in the qualifying. And I was fascinated to see there are two Nigerians at AS Trenchen in Slovakia, Kingsley Madu and Ibrahim Rabiu. Now, again, they didn't make it through to the last 32. But how interesting that a team in Slovakia should assign two Nigerians. And while I, while I mentioned that uh, 
most of those have not got through to the knockout competition. Of course, they are playing in the Europa League in most cases. So 15 Nigerians involved in European competitive football this year, mainly in the Champions League, but also some of them doing both Champions League and Europa League. So uh, I was just amazed to find that there are Nigerian players in Moldova, Israel, Albania, Belgium and even Scotland. Well, yes, there are Nigerians all over Europe. Thanks a lot, Stuart. We'll continue that look at the African players in the UEFA Champions League next week. And we say well done to Wilfred Bonny, the Ivorian getting his first goal in the UEFA Champions League as Man City went through to the knockout stage after a 3-1 win away to Sevilla. Well, that's it for this week's show, but on Facebook and WhatsApp, tell us who you think will be the next FIFA president. Elections will be held next February, and there are seven candidates, including two Africans, that's Musa Billiti from Liberia and Tokyo Sequale from South Africa. There's also the UEFA president, Michel Platini, currently suspended by FIFA, UEFA General Secretary Gianni Infantino, and former FIFA Deputy Secretary General Jerome Champagne. And Asia has printed Prince Ali of Jordan and Sheikh Salman from Bahrain. So who do you think will win? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. And you're always welcome to send comments on any football matters that you like. You can follow us on Twitter, the address at Planet Sport FA. And we've got a brand new website, planetsportfootballafrica.com. You can listen to each week's current show there. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.